You start to learn like we all don't really know what we're doing. Nobody's as kinky as you think they are. You might surprise yourself with how kinky you are compared to other people. Not that like kink is the epitome of sex, but you know what I mean. If you're a late bloomer, you know what I mean. Hey, hey, hey. Oh my God, that sounds so weird to do alone. I feel like you can't say hey, 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 unless you're greeting a group of people. You know what I mean? I guess I am greeting a group of people, but there's no one here in the room with me. So there's never anyone in the room with me. What am I saying? I miss Caroline is what I'm saying. Hi, it's Jess. You are here with me, kind of, at Not For Everyone. We're an existential commentary podcast hosted by a hater and a lover. I'm the lover and it's just me today and I can't promise it's going to be all love. I'll be honest with you. I had a long day at work and by long day, I mean I sat in my apartment and like made snacks every two hours and that was hard. That was hard for me. Um, I am excited to be doing this, but I do wish Caroline was here because we pre-recorded our last episode, the hot takes only episode, before both of us went on trips abroad. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked like over the phone or over FaceTime or whatever together. We've just texted a little bit here and there and I feel out of sync. Yeah, so now I'm here <laughs> and I'm recording alone. It's a Just Thoughts episode. The timing feels very opportune. This is episode 31 of Not For Everyone, and it is my last week as a 31-year-old. Uh, this Sunday is my birthday. I'm turning 32, and I just feel like the fates aligned so that this episode would be mine. Oh my gosh, that rhymed. Okay. I did want to just catch you up on my life and where I have been. I was in Greece for about five days and then London for three days. We were in Mykonos, which is a big party scene. And I think I I knew that wasn't my goal, but I thought I would be down for it. And then when we were there, I was like, oh shoot, I'm not down for this. I am way more lame than I ever thought. I was one of the fun kids at my college, but that's because I didn't go to a fun college. <laughs> and it's really set me up for a lot of like, misaligned expectations about who I am <laughs> because I think that I'm like a fun party animal and like super social and you know want to stay out doing whatever and then uh I can't I'm not on a lot of people's level as I get older but even I think when I was younger I never really I never really was I just know how to fake it on my Instagram um there's a whole story about being at a club in Mykonos and having to get the hell out of there. Like I literally walked in and felt my gut was like, Jessica, you shouldn't be here. And I don't call myself Jessica, except when it's like a negative gut reaction. <laughs> so I knew that the vibe wasn't for me and I tried to stick it out and it got worse and worse. And eventually I just left. I'll tell that story another time. It's not even a story. It's just like a bummer. <sighs> there are a lot of things I want to talk about that you guys asked me about that kind of tie in thematically you know I love a segue I'm not gonna do it very smoothly but I guess what I was just talking about is like not being as fun as I think I am <laughs> and 
It kind of reminds me of something that someone wrote in when I asked what I should talk about on this episode, which is to say more about being a late bloomer. I really appreciated this message. She said, hey, this one's for Jess. I know you've mentioned being a late bloomer in dating and relationships. I'm in my early 20s, just starting to date and get out there. I would love to hear about how that was for you. How did you feel confident despite your inexperience? Also, maybe how it affected your self-esteem, whether it affected your standards when dating. I mean, the questions go on. This is a good question and a good topic and something that feels really like core to who I am. I was indeed a late bloomer. Caroline and I, as you guys know, went to high school together. We actually went to school together since we were like six or seven, second grade, I think. So we went to an all-girls Catholic school in Maryland, and everybody had a different experience of that, of course. My experience was one where I was very academically focused. Caroline was too. Um, I come from a family of immigrants. Like, my parents are both Lebanese. They were first, the first to come and immigrate here. They were born in Lebanon, moved here in their 20s. So my sister and I are first-generation Americans, and that's something that's, like, extremely core to who I am and the reasons that I am the way that I am. And one of the things that I think that really influenced is my being a late bloomer when it comes to dating. Like, I was just at school. I was just freaking studying and, like, trying to make friends and simultaneously feeling like I fit in and didn't fit in. Like, I fit in because I'm cool (laughs) I'm fun did you not hear me earlier when I said that I'm fun even though I don't know how to party um I'm a fun person I'm a positive person I can talk to anyone I've kind of always been like that I was shyer growing up but like I had that in me and if I felt safe I would like open up and joke around and so I had friends and I had a social life and it was important to me but I just never went to parties and never went to events where boys were gonna be I feel like I wasn't really invited to them, but I don't, (laughs) I don't like say that to say that I'm butthurt about it. I think my friends accurately surmised that that like wasn't my thing and I wasn't really interested. And so it just like, I never really went because I was never really included, but I was never really upset about that. There's one specific story that actually I thought about when I left that club in Mykonos I was maybe a sophomore in high school and a group of us went shopping on a Friday after school in Georgetown. So like we took the metro, we felt cool. We went to like freaking American Eagle and then got dinner and I assumed the night was wrapping up and we were all going to go home. But somebody said that there was a party down the street and they wanted to check it out. Some guy was there or some friends from school were there. And I immediately felt like this thing in the pit of my stomach that was anxious and that was like, oh, no, I've never done that before. I don't really know the people who are hosting this. Like, I don't know what it's going to be like. I just like felt like it wasn't for me. But we walked there and Caroline might have even been in this group of people. I would love to ask her about it. But um, we walked there, got to the party music's blasting there's people out on the front lawn of this like really nice house in Georgetown high school students like wasted and laying on the grass and I just was like this is not gonna end well I knew it and um 
I was like, you guys go, but I'm just going to head home. Actually, I knew that my parents were down the street at a Lebanese restaurant in Georgetown that I think has since, since closed, but it was called Naila and it was amazing. Favorite place. So I think I was like, my parents are like down the street walking distance from here uh, eating Lebanese food. So I'm going to go do that instead. Bunch of people went to the party. One friend, Sheila, we've talked about her before. Um, she was kind of like me and Caroline's shared friend. Like Caroline and I were friends, but we were very close each individually with Sheila. That's not relevant, but it is. I don't know. I just want to bring Caroline into this somehow. So anyway, Sheila came with me. We walked to the Lebanese restaurant, sat down with my parents. They were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, there was a party and I got scared and I didn't want to go. And then Sheila was a good friend and came with me so I wouldn't walk alone. And we ate food and we went home. And sure enough, at the age of 31, almost 32, in Mykonos at a club with my cousin, I had this anxious tummy ache again and I left early and I went home and called my mom. (laughs) And I'm so not a mommy's girl. Like I am really independent. I don't live close to my family and I like generally do well just kind of like operating on my own. I'm close with my family, but I don't like have a dependence on them. Um, But it's just the first generation child of Lebanese immigrants in me like the all-girls Catholic school kid, the girl that went to Hopkins and just was, like, cool amongst the nerds but not actually cool. Like, I just don't thrive in those environments, and it's been that way forever. And so how does this tie in with your question about being a late bloomer in dating? Well, I think you can make that. (laughs) I think you can, like, figure out the linkage here. I was just never, like, out in places where I would meet boys when I was growing up. And it really wasn't that interesting to me. Like I had some opportunity to go, like I could have gone to that party and I just didn't really want to, like it didn't feel like me. And I always felt pretty comfortable with that fact because yeah, there were people going to the parties and hooking up with boys and doing the things, but it wasn't like readily in front of me. And so it felt like something extra. It felt like, okay, they're doing that because they're going out and seeking it. But I don't really need to like go out and seek it if it's not right here. Like if it's not right here, then it's probably just like not for me. I think that's the psyche, although that's not something that I could ever articulate at the time. So, okay, we're in college now, um, starting to be around boys and have crushes and not know what to do with those feelings, uh, making out with people at every frat in every basement but never really doing more than that. I lost my virginity, quote unquote, late. (laughs) I was 21. And then once I graduated college, I felt very lonely immediately. And I decided like, okay, maybe this is the time of life when you start to date. And I got on OkCupid (laughs) because that was the dating app at the time. I think Tinder started like a couple years after that or got big a couple years after that so eventually I got on tinder too and I had no idea what I was looking for so one of the questions that this person asked talking way more about this than I thought I would but one of the questions that this person asked was whether being a late bloomer affected my standards while dating and then the other main question was about my confidence and self-esteem while dating yeah so the confidence was really low (laughs) I've always been really confident and self-assured as a person. Like, 
I know I'm a good person. I know I have a cool personality. I know that I'm smart and funny. I don't really question those things about myself. I mean, in moments I do, but overall, I feel pretty like solid in liking myself. And I think I kind of always have when it comes to those things. But in dating, I had so little experience that I was totally not confident because I was like, I've never done this before. And I might be like fun and smart once you get to know me, but at face value, like what am I? I've never, if I haven't dated for this long, is it because I'm not sexy? I'm not like attractive to men? Like, is that why I've spent so long not, you know, pulling them in? Like that was the mindset a little bit. The other half of that mindset was like not knowing what I was looking for at all. Because how could I? I had never tested it. And now at almost 32, I can definitely tell you, now that I've been dating for 10 years, that like the only way I know what I'm looking for is experiencing what I'm not looking for. And dating the wrong people and exposing myself to a lot of different types of people and trying things and seeing that they don't work for me. So yeah, I had no clue when I entered the dating world, quote unquote, late. Um, and I have no regrets about that. And I think the reason is because of what I just said, where like, I think it gave me more time to really get to know and accept myself. And that being said, it's not like that stopped <laughs> once I started dating and I just like have known myself since I was 22 and the rest was smooth sailing. No, I've been continuing to dig deeper and get to know myself and accept myself more fully my whole life. That's like the freaking point. It's never going to stop. But I did start my 20s and start my entry into dating like in a more solid place with myself, I think than maybe others did but the trade-off is like I didn't know what I was doing and I did feel you know think about like if you're a person that kind of like did the normal American experience thing of dating through high school and stuff you were probably not that confident in it when you got started and you probably didn't know what you wanted but you started all of it earlier so you were able to like get some of that learning going sooner and get it almost like out of the way so that you were probably a little bit more prepared once you got to college or once you graduated and were in the real world. So there's like, there's pros and cons to, to all of it. You know, there's not a better way. And I don't think anybody like really chooses. It's just circumstantial because you're so young. Like it just has to do with the environments you're in and the way that you're raised and there's a lot of factors and I, I don't really think it's like consciously in our control at that age or it wasn't for me. It just kind of happened this way. I think late bloomers would agree. Like it's not like I planned to be a late bloomer. It just kind of happened this way. But yeah, I don't have any regrets about it. I don't have a ton of insight about it. It's more just like this is my experience and looking back, I can tell you now because this person's saying she's in her early 20s and just starting to date. I can tell you now as someone who's 10 years older than you. You're going to be fine. Um, I guess the hardest part is like finding the confidence. I think the hardest part, yeah, is finding the confidence physically, both in how you look and attracting men. That's something that, you know, I still struggle with, but I think I've gotten to a better place in the last 
couple years. Let me repeat that. Since I was like 30. (laughs) And then the other hard part is getting more confident like sexually. If you're a late bloomer like that. I still, I mean, I also still struggle with, but I feel a lot more confident than I did five years ago, 10 years ago. I feel more confident to ask for what I want and try new things and um, just like show up and and let go, you know? Um, that takes practice. Have a lot of sex. I don't know. <laughs> That's not actually the advice, but I mean, do it if it feels good to you. You just kind of have to keep going. You just have to keep going and fake it till you make it and you know what helped me is like talking to friends about sex I think I only started doing that in my late 20s um after my first relationship ended and that has been transformative in terms of showing me that like I think I had this narrative in my head like everyone is kinky and everyone's been having sex since they were like 12 and (laughs) I haven't been and I'm just going to be like plain and boring and bad at it. And I think I had that narrative in my head for the first like several years that I was having sex, not just before, but like literally for the first half of my sexual career, <laughs> if, we, if we can call it that. And um, then finally, I started to talk to friends more and more about like, what do you like or what do you do in this situation or like. He did this and I don't know if that's like normal or not or I don't know if I liked it or I did like it but he hasn't done it again so I don't know how to like kind of ask him to do it again and I've just started to talk to friends about those types of things and you start to learn like we all don't really know what we're doing. Nobody's as kinky as you think they are. You might surprise yourself with how kinky you are compared to other people. Not that like kink is the epitome of sex but you know what I mean. If you're a late bloomer, you know what I mean. These are the fears that you have. And probably other people do, even if you're not a late bloomer. Um, Hopefully this is like relevant to a lot of people. But yeah, starting to talk about it more, listening to podcasts that are like sex and dating and relationship related, really normalized sex for me. Because I think it was not normalized. I think part of my being a late bloomer was like, we didn't talk about sex in my house growing up. We barely talked about dating we didn't really um it wasn't like you're not allowed to date it was just like we don't address that like that doesn't exist here and so I think none of it was normal for me for a while and then I was a late bloomer as a result and so it was especially not normal for me um and now it is kind of okay somebody sent in a question this is a little tangential They referred to the inevitable regrets that come with age. How do you deal with slash conceptualize regret? (laughs) The notes that I wrote, I wrote these notes like five days ago probably. (laughs) I don't really know what fucking drug I was on where I wrote, I really believe things are cyclical. Like what was I saying? What's that mean? Hold on. Hmm. How does that have to do with regret? Take me back to five days ago when I thought I had something interesting to say about this. Okay. I think what I'm trying to say with that is like, (laughs) I really believe that we repeat patterns. We repeat our own patterns. We repeat the patterns of our ancestors. We repeat the patterns of like relationships we've been in. And the more we repeat the pattern, 
And it's not just in your lifetime, truly. It's like patterns that have been ingrained in you by how you were raised. So patterns that your parent, that you saw your parents enacting, we repeat them and we repeat them and we repeat them. And the universe keeps throwing at us like opportunities to repeat them, like testing us. Are you going to do the same thing this time or are you going to learn? Are you going to break the pattern? I talked about breaking patterns in a recent episode. It should be in the title of that episode. It was like maybe three ago. I can't really remember, but four ago. Anyway, I really feel strongly about patterns and how they like rule everything. And I do think that has to do with regret for me. Like I conceptualize regret as a useless feeling, really. Um, The only thing that you might take from regret, for me anyway, is like, how can I do it differently next time? Like I find it to be productive. (laughs) I just said it's useless and I said it's productive. It's like just sitting with regret is useless. It's like, why? You might as well not think about that thing that you wish you had done differently. Because you can't. It's in the past. You can't take it back. So instead, translate it into like a proactive feeling. Like, okay, I really regret that. I wish I had done it differently. So then don't do it the same way next time because life will throw at you a similar dynamic, a similar scenario, a similar set of feelings And you'll have a choice how to react and you can level up like you can break the pattern. I really believe we do the best with the information that we have at the time. So that's how I forgive myself for things that maybe are regrettable. I don't really have regrets, but maybe I've done things that are regrettable. Maybe I have done things that I would do differently next time. For sure. Tons of things. But I remind myself like, I did what I could with what I knew at the time and what I was feeling at the time and what I was capable of. Like, I just did what I could. I know that about myself. Next time, what I could, like, what I'm capable of is going to be more because I have this information now that I did it this way and I didn't like it. So I don't know. That's how I conceptualize regret. I don't think it's super, like, novel. I feel like you can consume so much content about the same things and like people can give you the exact same take on it but if one person says it in one way on a day when you really needed to hear it in that way it can be a game changer so maybe that's what what that segment is we're calling it a segment okay what else did you guys ask me about I mean you went deep like this is freaking deep Somebody else wrote about intuition versus anxiety, which is like an age-old question, and I think it's so important. We have talked about it before. Can't tell you what episode. I'm so unhelpful. I'll put these episodes in the description. All the things I'm referencing that we've said in previous episodes, I'll put them in the description below so you guys can go listen there. And I really think like intuition versus anxiety as a theme is gonna just be on this podcast forever. But I do think like what I just talked about, about regret is kind of relevant because someone else wrote in trusting yourself to make the right decisions. And I think, I think a lot of what I've talked about is actually relevant there. Like how do I trust that I'm making the right decisions? Well, I give myself the benefit of the doubt and the grace that I'm doing what I can with the information I have at the time. Um, And also trusting that like if you make the quote unquote wrong decision, like you'll figure out what to do after that. Like I don't really believe in wrong decisions. There's better and worse decisions. 
But there's not wrong ones. I think you can always pivot. You can always change course. You're never stuck unless you want to be. Stuck porn reference. Um, (laughs) I think I said that in my last solo episode. That's my freaking, we're going to make a t-shirt. Yeah, and then intuition versus anxiety. I don't know. I think that all ties in. But the other thing I'll say is, for me, I think what differentiates the two is that if I'm having an intuitive feeling, a gut feeling, my gut's telling me I shouldn't be in this club in Mykonos right now. My gut's telling me I shouldn't be at this party, high school party right now. Those feelings are very present for me. It's like I'm here in this moment and I'm getting a signal from my body. My intuition is telling me something and it's telling me I shouldn't be here. Anxiety for me is more based on like, past or future thinking like oh I'm worried what will my mom say if I come home drunk as a high schooler from this party or oh that one time that I went to a club like this I ended up blacking out and going home with someone and I really don't want that to happen again like yes that's information that you can use to inform your decisions but try to trace like is that because I'm here and now in this present moment and I'm getting a uh uh-uh or is it because I'm like stuck in the past or scared of the future I think this is probably I think the examples I'm using are bad I think this is probably better applied to like dating and relationships Because man, oh man, do I have relationship anxiety, dating anxiety. I'm an anxiously attached person. Healing, for sure. More secure than I once was. If every time you hang out with somebody, you just feel like something's off. And you're trying to, you're being present. You're having these conversations with them. You're spending this time with them. And there's just something deep, deep down that's like, meh, meh, meh. I think that's something you should trust. Or is it something that's based on like if somebody messes up, if your boyfriend makes a mistake, maybe they like accidentally misunderstood the time you said you wanted to meet. You said let's meet at 6. He showed up at 6.30 or 7. And you're like, oh my God, I want kids and I'm dating seriously. And if he can't show up at the right time, then How is he going to be with our children? (laughs) Because all of us fucking have done that before. I don't even know if I want kids anymore. But like back in the day when I had not explored whether kids were for me or not. And I just assumed I would have them. Those are thoughts that I would have about my ex. And listen, they were probably true. Like he probably wasn't going to be the guy (laughs) to parent with me if I ever wanted to do that. He definitely wasn't. We're not together and I don't talk to him. But um, (laughs) it's not because he like showed up at seven instead of six. I don't know. It's because like there was a deep seated like I couldn't trust him. It wasn't. It's one thing if somebody makes a mistake one time. If you're being present, you can remind yourself, okay, but this is a mistake and it's only happened this one time and like we're cool. If you're like future tripping or getting anxious, that's when you get into a place of like, oh no, what does this mean for everything? And I do think that that's anxiety. Does this make sense? God, I really took on a big topic alone. Caroline talked in her recent hater hour episode about she had like a checklist of like what she wanted to do for the year or something and one of the things she wrote was no more boring dudes which like yeah hell yeah great item on the checklist 
And it made me think of something that I actually am a believer in that might seem contrary, but it's not at all, which is more boring relationships. Like, I feel like that should be a rule for anybody who's wanting like a stable, healthy, secure relationship. Then you don't want a boring partner. You don't want to be bored by your partner. You want to feel alive and feel free and feel happy and you're not gonna be happy all the time but you know what I mean like feel you want to feel with them you don't want to be bored that being said you want the relationship to be a little boring I have a friend Buke if you're listening who kind of awakened me to this recently or earlier this year she came to visit and she was like oh how are things going with me and my boyfriend and I was like they're good like I don't really have anything to report other than it's just like still good I mean I don't know. What do you want me to say? Like, I kind of almost feel weird. That question of like, how are things going with so-and-so? <laughs> kind of a hard question to answer because if you're in a bad relationship or a toxic relationship, you're probably like hiding stuff and not wanting to talk about every single thing. So you might overcompensate. But if you're in a relatively healthy relationship and relatively good relationship, there's like not a lot to report. I mean, you might share what you recently did together like whatever like you can tell a story you can say nice things that are happening but it's not that interesting (laughs) it's kind of boring and that's kind of a good thing like when Buke asked me that a few months ago I was like I don't know we got tacos recently like and this isn't to brag about my relationship I don't want to come across like it's rainbows and butterflies because it's not there's still work to be done once you're in a relationship and there's still challenges and roadblocks but like it shouldn't feel like that up and down and who knows what's going to happen and I'm so stressed all the time and I have things to report to my friends it just shouldn't feel like that and so when I told her like I really don't know like what else to say she was like that's all I want to hear like there's no pressure on that question when your friend asks you how it's going what they want to hear is like it's good like boring is good in that situation the up and down will we won't we does he like me will he text me back that feels it feels like love sometimes like it feels like whoa I'm like alive because I'm feeling all this range of emotions with this person but no babe (laughs) that's my hot take no boring dudes but more boring relationships somebody wrote the funniest thing they were like How do I be social in these hot months when I want to stay cool at home? And then somebody else wrote a very similar message. This one made it make a little more sense to me. They were like, there's heat waves and storms ruining the fun of summer. Okay, got you there. Got you there. That's very real. I didn't really relate to the first submission. I was like, what do you mean it's summer? And like, this is the only time that I'm alive. And I literally don't understand why you wouldn't want to be social. Because the rest of the year, I live in Chicago, mind you. The rest of the year, I'm not doing shit. So this is my time. But I mean, the heat waves and storms ruining the fun. Like, yeah, I guess that's true. And yes, it sucks. And like climate change is real and we're fucked. But I don't know. You can't do anything about that, can you? I mean, you can, of course, try to make your impact on improving our climate. But in the short term, this summer, 2023... I mean, I don't know. It it, it is what it is. 
hang out inside what do you guys want me to tell you i don't know i love hot weather i love like sweating and glistening with my tan and my hair being kind of frizzy it brings out my curls like i thrive in it my people are from the desert Lebanon is not actually desert but it is very hot there most most of the time so yeah I don't know I don't know what to tell you I'm really sorry you guys are feeling this way um find some indoor hobbies people like pickleball (laughs) I feel like that's an outdoor hobby but it can be indoor you can knit (laughs) that's so wintry um you get a fan why don't you get one of those like necklace fans and wear it around that'll be hot (laughs) it'll actually be cooling um I have this t-shirt that I sleep in. (laughs) I don't sleep in only one t-shirt, but it's one of my sleep t-shirts and it's my favorite one. And it's made of like a cooling fabric. You could just wear that out. What else? Am I helping? Are you so glad you asked? Cool. Next. (laughs) Love Island. Okay, here's my time to shine. Not really, actually. I don't really have a whole lot to say, but somebody was like, tell us your thoughts on Love Island. I need to know. Very much appreciate you. Very much appreciate. I have teased on the podcast and on my Instagram that I've really thought about having a show, whether it was a podcast, a YouTube channel, a Patreon, an Instagram show, whatever. Who knows what the format was going to be? Threads? We'll get to that. I've teased that maybe I would start a show where I like give my Love Island hot takes and people were like, yes, we would totally tune in. And that means a lot to me. And then I realized that like if I did that, I would be turning my one true, pure, like fun, free, um, just like thing that I do to unwind into content. And that's not what I want. Like Love Island's supposed to be my escape. That's probably the hardest thing when it comes to content creation and trying to figure out like what to talk about on the podcast or what else I would want to do in addition to the podcast. Um, I want to save some things that just for purely me and like purely peace and like nobody to comment on and nobody to like expect from me. Like all of a sudden I have to do a show every week about Love Island. What if I don't want to? What if that week I just wanted to like watch it in my cooling pajama shirt and eat macaroni and cheese and like not talk to anyone about it that should be allowed it is allowed but not if I turned it into a show so that's the reason I'm not doing that I never really gave an update there that being said this season is fantastic just dm me oh speaking of creative pursuits somebody asked if I could clarify what my third podcast is, because in the ad that we play before our episodes, I mentioned that I have three podcasts and you guys know that one of them is obviously not for everyone, but then the other one is Peaking. My first podcast, that was just me. Episodes are available, like go listen. Um, I do talk about being a late bloomer in one of those episodes if you want like more on that. But I also had a third podcast for a short period of time with a colleague of mine. This is a good story, maybe, like if you're trying to figure out how to put yourself out there, maybe creatively or at work, um, or try to find more fulfillment in your job. I don't know. It's a very specific example, but maybe it'll help. So I got to this company just over a year ago. I had just taken my year off. Then I started working again. I was kind of bummed that like my dreams weren't taking off. Now they are a little bit. Because 
not for everyone started happening. But at first, I didn't have this. And I found out through the grapevine that somebody at my company, which is like a thousand person company, I had not met him yet. But this guy had thought about starting a podcast around mental health topics. I work in healthcare. Part of our product at my company is like a mental health virtual care platform. And so it was relevant and he led that part of the company and he was interested in like creating content around that. So I reached out to him just like cold Slack messaged and he immediately was like, oh yeah, let's talk. And very quickly we decided let's start this podcast. So there's this other podcast that I did just six episodes of called Mind Your Business. It's on Spotify, Apple, all the places. And we interviewed founders and leaders of like mental health startups And um, it was great. I learned a lot from it. But kind of around the time that that was launching is when Caroline and I decided to do Not For Everyone. And so it was just too much. And like having that one extra thing on my to-do list, even if I only spent like three hours a week on it, it was just like I couldn't. Because it was also on top of my work. The goal was like let's launch this and see if our company will maybe – take it on as like a part of our marketing strategy, in which case I could get some hours covered by my job and like get paid to produce that and host that. And that would have been the dream. And if that were able to happen, then I probably would have stuck with it at least for a little while longer. But it was something I was doing after hours and I was cool with that at first, but it just became too much. So I had to let him know that things have changed for me since we started and I'm not going to be able to do it anymore, but I hope that he continues. So yeah, mind your business if you're interested in behavioral health, mental health, and entrepreneurship, startups, you know, building healthcare businesses. It's very niche, but you'd like it. I don't really know what else I'm going to do in terms of creative pursuits. I have been thinking about it a lot. I think something's going to come to me and just like make sense. It's not going to be threads. (laughs) Follow me on threads because I am there. I think it's a brilliant move by Facebook against Twitter or by Meta. But I don't know that it's going to be my medium. I want to find the place for me outside of Not For Everyone. And I have some ideas that I'm not ready to share. But sometimes people ask like what else am I working on and you know if there's other places they can support me which is really nice. Um, I will let you know when I know. But right now I'm doing the full-time job and full-time loving on y'all with Caroline. So it'll come to me when it it needs to. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be content. That's the thing. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. And actually, the homework I'm going to give you is more so focused on our Instagram account. I would love it if you can go to our Instagram account, look at recent reels that we've posted we've posted some good ones and share one with a friend get them to follow us get them to start listening it's at not for everyone pod at not the number four everyone pod on instagram you can follow us you can dm us we check all our dms we respond to as many as we can we try to interact on our stories it's a really fun time and we post reels and funny stuff constantly so share those it really helps us What else do I got to say? Last week's episode, Hot Takes Only, we did not post a YouTube video for it because we were vacationing, but it is coming out this week, I think on Friday. So keep an eye out for that if you're a YouTube video watcher. We appreciate you. 
that video will be up soon. We don't do videos for our solo episodes, so don't be expecting to see my greasy ass face right now. I think that's it. I'm Jay-Z DeBakey on Instagram. Caroline is the good sitter on Instagram. Find her on YouTube. She's freaking crushing it. She just had a Wayfair collab. Well, she's in the middle of a Wayfair collab. She's a fucking rock star. Okay. That's it. Bye, babies. (laughs) Called mind... Called mind... Why is my freaking voice cracking?